Let that be like your guiding, you know, North Star, and it's evidence that it can be done. It won't be easy, but it can be done. Hello, I'm Pritesh Chohan, and this year I turned 40, and I wanted to do something meaningful alongside all of the celebrating. I decided to ask my community to support me in helping an underprivileged community and give them a small yet transformative boost. This is how the Rainbow Boosters project was born. In sharing the idea with people, I realised that we all know of a teacher, a family member, a friend, an author or a singer that has made a profound impact on our life. I wanted to create a space where we could share all of those stories. So welcome to the Rays of Sunshine series. This week, I'm really excited to welcome Natalie Costa. Natalie helps parents support their children to feel calmer, happier and more confident in themselves. She has over a decade of teaching experience where she has witnessed the struggles faced by both teachers and children. From disengagement with difficult tasks to feeling overwhelmed by societal pressures, it was clear to her that something needed to change. That's why she created Power Thoughts. Power Thoughts is a teaching, coaching and mindfulness service designed to empower children and help them overcome negativity and anxiety. Whether it's academic challenges or navigating growing pains, like making friends or dealing with body image, sessions provide practical and insightful instructions. Through Power Thoughts, children learn to harness the power of their minds, develop confidence, resilience, and a can-do attitude. Natalie's goal is to foster their growth, both in and out of the classroom, so they can truly flourish. She has worked with over 40,000 children worldwide and knows what makes them tick. She is a true ray of sunshine. I met her at a book launch last year and you could see her shining in the room. That might also have something to do with the bright pink suit she was wearing that day too. Since then, I have followed her work closely and had to get her on this series to drop some knowledge. So listen up, it's going to be a good one. Hi, Natalie, how are you? I am so good. How are you? I'm really looking forward to today. I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for taking some time out to come and talk to me. As I said in my intro, you just ooze energy and I know that all the work that you do around kids uh, is really important. I'm really excited to have you here. I start the series by asking who is your ray of sunshine? So who is the person or the teacher that's had the most profound influence on your life and what did they do that shaped your future? Mm, oh, good one. And I think, you know what, um, oh, I struggle to like choose one, but I really have to say my mum is probably a big influence. We're very close. And I think just seeing her, she was always very, I mean, she's growing up, she was always very practical. Everything is figure outable. Um, there's always a solution to something and I think definitely growing up as a teenage girl as well I mean there were times that we didn't get along but having that close relationship and obviously now as an adult as well um, and really seeing her strength she's had to go through some real challenges as well and that's always kept me going in terms of the strength the tenacity and I think she kind of gets it from my grand from her dad so my granddad was very much like that and that's always been like a beacon, if you know what I mean. It's always been a beacon for me. And I'm really lucky that, that, that you know, that we've got that relationship and that, that friendship as well. You know, uh, a lot of the work that you do is around practical tips and tools. And how, how much of that do you think is influenced from the environment that you grew up with her? Okay. <laughs> so um, I would say there. So in the opposite way, though, in the terms that um, I think I so I really struggled with anxiety, my worries when I was a little girl, I distinctly remember I was about seven years old and 
when I felt them, it literally felt like there was this black cloud in my head and in my tummy. And I just called these my worries. But my parents didn't really know how to deal with it or how to cope. Like, don't, don't worry, but don't worry, but don't think that. I mean, we now know that that just doesn't work. And actually, the more I tried not to think stuff, the more the bigger the worries became. So I think in terms of um, my own journey with anxiety and then being diagnosed with depression and so forth, and my mum and my dad, you know, both really struggling to know how to support me. And also... As close as we were, I can definitely see there was a gap in terms of emotional understand. You know what I mean? Like in terms of just what is anxiety? We didn't even talk about it really. So selfishly, I mean, the work that I do now, I created for little Natalie, who was seven years old with her worries because she didn't have the tools to deal with that. And her parents didn't know how to work with that. I mean, my parents did the best that they could. But in terms of um, knowing what the right thing was, they didn't know. And it was a different, you know, it was difficult. It was difficult because they're trying to fix, trying to problem solve, do everything that, you know, we naturally want to do because we don't want to see our children in pain because they themselves didn't have the tools. So um, I always say, you know, I created this for younger me, younger Nat and her parents. Um, so in that way, it's sort of been a gift to them not knowing how to help in that. I mean, they did the best they could, you know what I mean? But it's yeah. them not knowing how to help because that then led me to create the, the tools and the resources today. Yeah, you know, we're we're from different backgrounds, but it's more a generational thing because with the same with our parents, you know, the, the things that they would talk about or not talk about was so uh, different to what we talk about with our kids and it, you, like you said it's almost flipping that narrative going I don't want them to ever worry in the same way that I worried um I, I want to pivot a little bit just because I'm curious to explore your inspirations are there songs or books or anything that's that you've found has provided like a solace during a tough time or ignited you know sometimes you hear something and it just gives this a different kind of spark to towards what you classify as success now Mm. Do you know what? Somebody that was loved watching growing up, 5 five p.m. was Oprah. I loved, loved, loved her show. Even from, I remember like when I was, I mean, I was at school and I just loved watching. I think personal, that kind of was like an introduction into personal development, understanding the mind. And I still remember my mum brought me this, like got me this book around the mind and emotions. I mean, it was very plain but in that I was always interested in human behavior and understanding why people behave the way that they do but I remember you know one personal thing Oprah was definitely like I could not miss the Oprah Winfrey, th Winfrey show on a Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m that that is just what I have to do and I think just in terms of the you know the, the different speakers and the topics that they covered um was so different to the world that I grew up in in terms of my friends and conversations we'd be having and I appreciate I was still at, you know, in high school and so forth, but I've always had this desire to understand more about human behavior and why we behave the way that we do and looking at those emotional side of things. So yeah, Oprah would definitely be top on the list. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I can, I, can, I can see how some of that follows through into what you do, whether it's deliberate or, or not deliberate. We were talking before around technology a little bit as well, you know, and you do a lot of space in education and what we're trying to do with Rainbow Boost is also to level up their education. Personally, how has education and access to technology influenced, whether it's personally or your professional uh, accomplishments? Yeah, no, it's worked really well. I I like I really like it. Um, I think initially, you know, transitioning from being a school teacher and I was a private tutor as well. Um, one of my first 
so initially my programs was delivered in schools and then I had someone contact me from Australia that wanted me to coach their son and this was before like Zoom was cool like we had Zoom but it was like what is Zoom um but it really I was like wow this is actually quite cool I could work with somebody on the other side of the world and I remember that thrill I felt um and then obviously COVID happened and so forth but for me obviously that I'd already then started to do a lot of sessions online now to the point where I only offer sessions online I don't do any more in-person sessions purely just from a time perspective as well and it's it's just so much more cost effective and time efficient I know we do miss out on that interpersonal connection um but the nature that I run my business and it's quite tight in timings of when I can see children, you know, it's four to five or five to 6 p.m. So there's not much space for travel. Mm. Um, so things like this. And it's also allowed me to record my sessions. So all the sessions that I do with children and with parents, because for me, the things that I teach and what I deliver, there's no quick fix. And my intention isn't, you know, that clients keep coming back. It's that here are some strategies, but you have to apply them. And we also know if you listen to a podcast three times, you're always going to hear something different every single time. And so the sessions are there for them to review and revisit. Um, So it's only been a benefit to me. I think the only thing, you know, that we do miss out on is that human to human face-to-face contact. Um, But yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed, I mean, I'm not a techie person at all, so it's, it's, (laughs) but I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed this part of it. (laughs) Having two kids of my own, the development, the constant changing of phases and trying to stay on top of it, as well as your own crazy, noisy life is is tough work to do. You've worked with over 40,000 children now in this time, which is such a huge number. Where do you find that energy or passion to go back and keep supporting them? Is it just to support the seven-year-old's version and, and that's your primary focus or is there something deeper that motivates you just just to keep supporting others like where is that because that takes a lot of energy outside your own life right so where does that come from that's a really good question I think if I break it down like the nitty-gritty in the session when I'm working and I mean I've worked I now work with parents and children um because that to me is so much more powerful because it's not just the child is actually us as the adult we need to know how to model to the child but we weren't taught these skills right and I think um for me what keeps me going back is when I then have parents and children show me and tell me how they're starting to use what they're learning in their everyday life and it's starting to create real shifts and transformations I mean those are their words it's not my words and it's all just down to, you know, well, not all, but a lot of it is down to a tweak in perception. It's a change in what I'm saying, how I'm responding. It's how it's a change to how I'm viewing the situation. Um, and that's that sense of empowerment. So when I see that that changed, I mean, it is a really rewarding and fulfilling job when you when parents say, you know, he's starting to work on some of the tools and he's working through his tricky feelings. Or, you know, mum said to me the other day that her daughter um, you know, she was having a conversation with the daughter about what's it been like working with Natalie. And, you know, she said, it feels like the knot in my tummy is slowly starting to unravel. That was her daughter's words. Yeah. And fair enough. I mean, I, you know, I've had the privilege of working with thousands of children and some children are really eloquent with, you know, I was talking to a year four the other day and I'm like, how are you in year four? I feel like I'm talking to a 16 year old with how eloquent you are, you know? Um, so, but it, but it just, that is why I do what I do, because I think, yes, it does go back to 
it doesn't have to be this hard when you're an adult. Like I, I appreciate we're going to have challenges and so forth, but if we're setting the foundation now as a child, imagine the impact that's going to have when they're an adult and equally seeing the connection differences between parents as well and children. Um, you know, a mom that I've been working with for a while, but we had a break. She's been off maternity leave. She's now got a new little baby and she's got her older daughter. And it was just like one simple exercise. And I mean, I got a message back a week later saying, I've just been applying power up time and it's made such difference with me and my daughter. And I just think that it just gives hope back and it's that it builds that connection. Yeah. Um, and that feels, you know, that that feels, I don't know, it's an inner, it's just that little voice that says, this is what you're meant to be doing. Um, so whenever I get kind of get caught up in like, oh, business is so hard and all the other stuff that you've got to do. You know, my mother-in-law asked me the other day, she's like, but do you enjoy what you do? And I'm like, yes, I love when I'm in it. I love that. Yeah. It's all the other stuff. Sometimes I'm like, oh, get me out of here. You know what I mean? But yeah. Yeah, I, I love that uh, a lot because um, I can see that and feel that from you. It's like when you love what you do with all the other craziness and the noise and uh, all of the admin that goes with it to to continue to do that is is really important that you love what you do. I was going to say, though, a lot. You make it seem really easy. OK, <laughs> so from where I stand, you're like, just use this language and just, you know, stop yourself for a minute and think about what they might be going through and you you have this ability to distill it which i think is a superpower of yours how what are you doing in the background are you taking notes stop calling you right. <laughs> <laughs> um how how are you uh how do you get to that point because obviously that you know that takes work so what are you exposing yourself to to then go okay this is a great principle that i i'm gonna just make it my own and then essentially make it really simple like how what's your process in that I know I'm going completely off script but just I'm really intrigued in how you get to that point because from from where I stand everything I see that comes out which is why I wanted to talk to you is it's really practical it's really simple and it's something I can go oh do you know what? I could do that today right and and we do and it's like okay we can do that straight away so that can't be easy to get to or completely natural to get to so how are you what are you doing to get to that point such a good question I've never been asked that and I've only now literally now realized why um so I obviously trained as a primary school teacher with like foundation phase and key stage one being my kind of area that I was in for a long time and it's so strange because I was a year one teacher for a very long time and I always had this belief of I speak and sound and write emails like a child like I'm very good at speaking child language I'm not good at speaking grown-up language, right? And I used to see that as a real hindrance in terms of I'm really good at dumbing things down, but how do I sound clever? How do I sound more like adult-like, I suppose? But I guess that's probably what makes it so easy for me is, okay, let's break this down as if I'm talking to a child. Yeah. Because, and as I'm not at all saying parents, well, sometimes we can be in a child because that's play. But if we think about it as well, it's, it's um it's being able to just keep things really simple and the the other thing you know the other thing that I'm another father actually said to me the other day he's like you're teaching me to think like my child so for me it's just normal this is just my world and I'm like okay here we go again with this baby talk and dumbing things down and and that's just my world because it's been my world for so long. But I guess that's maybe, like you say, my superpower because I can keep it really simple and practical. And for me, what's important is as well as, you know, 
I would say to parents, like, you're a, like, it's a blind, leading the blind being a parent. There is no like, okay, right, it's all dark, right, let's go. But I have no idea where I'm going. Yeah. So there's no qualification or, you know, you can read everything you read. And fair enough, there's some great content out there. But every child's different. And you are learning as well, especially if we're thinking about how we were raised. And it's so much of parenting is reparenting a part of yourself as well as you're trying to parent your child so it's really hard so keeping it simple I guess um, but I've never thought of that so thank you I'm gonna let that turn into music power you're welcome I, I, I what I love actually about that is that the way I've when I reflect back on how did I start to parent or what did I always think it would be it's just to model what my parents were or what I knew and mm in all of the work and the little books and all of the stuff actually going closer to the child rather than what was done to you is I guess the the magic of being different and that's what's really um proving beneficial and I think a lot of kids are finding that when their parents meet them at their level uh, it changes for them um so yeah thank you for indulging me on a completely uh and personal a question, route. A question well, quickly for you is um if you don't mind me asking is um hmm. did you or do you find that difficult does it feel counterintuitive? Yeah, I don't. I don't think so now. One because I'm probably closer to my son <laughs> in my inner youth as well. Um, no, but I think when you when you start to understand your own feelings and go, oh, it must be those feelings must be massive for them. Then you mm -hmm. all your barriers come down. No amount of uh, shouting or telling them what to do is ever going to work. So, just really reducing it down and go, what must they be going through? Whenever you look at it through that perspective. And not even just parenting, like when we talk about the kids in this school, when we try and think about what their perspective must be, that's where mm. you, you everything, all the barriers come down and you come at it from a completely different place. Yeah, that is so true, because I was at a school a couple of weeks ago and, um, you know, with the role that I do now is if I go in and deliver, it's... And <laughs> kids don't think you're a real teacher, right? If you're not their teacher, you're not a real teacher, um, and I was with a, year, a group of year sixes and they were, you know, there were some really challenging children in there. Yeah. And um, of course, it's difficult to, I told, it's really difficult to teach 30 children. And you've got a lot of voices piping up that aren't interested. Um, but talking to the head teacher afterwards, um, and it just made me, it reminded me again, you know, in terms of how many of them actually carers themselves at home, how many of them actually have, you know, parents in really difficult positions, of course they're going to be portraying those difficult behaviors. And actually those are the children, I mean, all children need love, but those are the children that really, really, really need it. Mm -hmm. um, and so seeing it from that perspective, that it's, and that's why I say to parents as well, you're not doing this to me, you know, he's having a hard time. It's not because he's giving me a hard time. Um, but it does take a bit of work for us to get into that perspective, because like I said, for many of us, we weren't, that wasn't done with us. You know, we were giving adults a hard time, as so to say. I want to take another a look at this, though. So if we're talking about the amount of resources that are there, um, the amount of things that people can do, if you go into a child's shoes and they have this drive, there's this drive in all of us in some shape or form, and they want to learn and they want to succeed and they want to do stuff, but they don't have access to the resources. So I'm I'm taking us back to this rural place where these kids, they have a basic level of education. They're bright, they've got spark, they want to do something. How do you support that someone in that position 
when they don't have all the things that we have you know arguably too much of now resources and places to go like it's quite noisy what would advice would you give to someone in, in those shoes Wow, that's a tough one. I'd want to help, but I suppose, okay, we can't do that either. So take that off the table. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is, yeah, it's keep following the breadcrumbs. And I know it sounds so frivolous to say when you're in situations where you're faced with very real challenges, but okay, the reality is there are very real challenges. But I'd say definitely look at people who were in similar positions to you that are now doing amazing things because they definitely are some great examples of people. So let that be like your guiding, you know, North Star and it's evidence that it can be done. It won't be easy, but it can be done. And I'd also say see these challenges as it's just a stepping stone to the next one. It's just a stepping stone to the next level because it is very easy to see those challenges as I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to be successful. I'm never going to get what I want. And it's hard. And I also say, allow space for those feelings too. If you need to cry, cry. If you need to grieve, because again, you've been missed an opportunity, give yourself that time. But when that's out of your system, then it's like, okay, how am I going to get that? And it's being, you know, and I think also being open to, I was listening to a great podcast today, um, you know, which again, comes from more of a privileged place of those opportunities, but being open to, right, that's that's what I'm going to get but I'm open to the process of how I'm going to get it. And so maybe it's not as linear as what I think it is, but just embrace as much as possible, embrace the challenges, seeing this more as working for me versus against me. I think it comes back to that perception again, you know, but I also want to add on to that, that we've got to make space for the range of emotions that come with that and having that self-compassion. And even like, you know what, today was a tough day, but I did, you know, I did, 0.2% more today than what I did yesterday that's some great advice and we're we're the ones that give ourselves the hardest time so I think that piece of advice of just looking out for yourself and it's okay to have a tough day is is beautifully articulated from your own personal experience is there a point in your in your own education or something that you think back to that you think actually that was a, a real pivotal moment for me in what you're doing now or to overcome some some challenge for yourself so there's a few I think you know if we're going back to like educationists in school I never wanted to be a teacher (laughs) and did not want to be a teacher but when I did my EQ IQ all those aptitude tests teaching came up and then I was like okay it's a safe job to get um and then I did psychology um my psychology degree and so forth um and one of the pivotal things was because I remember still being in South Africa I really wanted to go to the US to be a nanny for two years after studying my degree and all of that. And I had the application forms, I'd done interviews. Um, and then I'm like, but why am I going to be a nanny when I've studied for five years to be a teacher? Not that there's anything wrong with being a nanny, but I'm like, why am I not using my teaching degree? Yeah. Um, and so then I spare the moment decided to come to the UK and obviously that opened up a whole different opportunities. And when I was a teacher in the UK, I was looking at different things that I could do. So I love fitness and I actually trained to be a fitness instructor part-time, like do that in the evenings. And that then led me into coaching because the school that I was with said to me, oh, we know you're doing your fitness qualification. We've got this PE coaching thing we want to send you on do you want to go on and I'm like yeah yeah sure anyway I got the brief read it. I'm like it's not PE coaching it's a taster to life coaching I was like 
they haven't read but I'm like this sounds brilliant so I remember going for a weekend was a taster course and I loved it and um, that then led me on the journey of actually let me explore what this coaching thing is about and so that was a big pivotal moment as well in terms of because I was very close to now you know qualified as um, an exercise to music instructor I was like okay personal trainer is now level three that's what I'm going to do but then I decided actually let me do the coaching instead um, and then I so that was one of them and then um, I was adamant on becoming a career coach for women like this is what I'm going to do I'm going to leave teaching this is business setup. but it just wasn't clicking and so many people at school were saying, bring your coaching into schools, bring your coach. And I was like, but nobody's doing it. I was like, there's nobody else doing it. Because that was when mindfulness started to make its appearance in the right. scene. And um, I literally, I remember still, it was a Monday morning and the Sunday before I'd just done like a CPD stress coaching day. And I was like, why has nobody ever told me about stress in the brain in this way? Like I've done my psychology degree, my honors, but nobody's ever like explained it in this way. And um, the year sixes that I was covering at that day, they were stressed out about SATs. And I was like, okay, abort mission. I'm not teaching the science module that the teacher told me to teach. Because um, at that stage, I was kind of like the in-house supply teacher at the school. And um, I was like, let me teach them about their brain and stress. I'm like, how am I going to do this? And I literally was winging the lesson. Like, literally, I was just like, so this is your brain. This is cortisol. This is, this is different parts of your brain. And they were like, is that what happens? And, you know, like we looked at breathing and so forth. And that then sparked me on, I like, well, why don't I do more of this? And so actually that then led me onto this whole journey of, well, let me play. Can I put together some lessons that's literally taking everything I've learned in coaching in terms of limiting beliefs, in terms of emotions, in terms of our mindset, but breaking that down into lessons for children because nobody's doing it. And I guess that was a big totally like it, it totally did not I was not expecting that at all because I was desperate to leave I was like I'm sick of the system I don't want to have anything to do with schools um and yet that was it was that random yeah it was just all the dots that joined up yeah it reminds me of um of a of a quote that I heard on the amazing if podcast uh which which they quoted someone else but you collect the dots to connect the dots so you just do the work and then essentially when it comes and it just clicks in and then you move forward but all of you in that point was just trying and pushing yourself and saying let me try this and you've got to have a, an element of that to to get to those points which which look at where you are now which is which is really interesting <laughs> um uh talk about other influences so I'm a, I'm a big simon Sinek fan as lots of people yeah. know and uh i subscribe to his daily inspirational emails just gives you quotes and the one that came up today just literally today, uh, so I'm going off piste again, is if there are people who care, there is always hope. Um, hope for me is, is something that I want to define because I feel like it's so powerful uh, that, because I, I live by hope and I feel, feel feel like if you have hope, then you have something. From the the massive data set that you have of these children and their families where they are going through tough things or they're struggling, what role does like hope play in, in that? Have you seen a categoric when there's a complete lack of hope, it has such a negative gray cloud atmosphere where they almost feel like they can't. And then where even if there is a spark of hope, they they manage to navigate out. Have you seen that in that data set that you've you know experienced over this time? 
Yeah, I'd say more so obviously with children because um they can kind of get really caught up in those big, big feelings. Um, but equally, I mean, even with parents as well, sometimes feeling really hopeless. Is this it like my fault? Um, you know, am I ever gonna get through this? And being able to, and you know, there's a real um you can see if I'm thinking more of children, that apathy that sets in that like, oh, I'm just not good at this, especially maybe in the beginning when I first start working with them, they don't have these tools. I think that's when I see it. Um, and so when you do then shift that perspective of like, oh, okay, you know, when I, I mean, a typical example, um, one of the little girls I'm supporting at the moment, so I use a voice note app that with parental permission, if children want, they can message me. And she messaged me yesterday to say, um, you know she's something to do with her brother and he's really good at sport and she's not good at sport and like she's just terrible um, but we've not yet done the module on how our brain makes more connections when we do things that are difficult and when uh, there's actually a superpower within our mistakes that we face and um i just recorded the module for her today for her and her family to do and whenever i do that like in terms of you can see it, it goes you know that's the whole thing of like i can't do this yet it's that little bit and actually that little word or that little spark is enough okay that kind of shifts perspective then this isn't a different you know this doesn't define me this is my brain growing it's a skill so when they start to have that oh actually i can look at things in a different way or when they learn i don't have to believe all the thoughts that i think so that thought that i have that i'm stupid or that i'm rubbish oh, okay, I don't actually have to believe that. And I can actually zap that thought with my superhero, you know, and like we go through processes. So giving them those realizations, I think um, is where you then start to see the hope factor come into play. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just that shift of perspective because you don't know what you don't know until you realize you don't know it, right? And then when you do, you're like, oh, like the whole world just looks a little bit different. Yeah, it's exactly that point of what you don't know is what you don't know until you know it. And that's when we talk about access in Rainbow Boosters, that's all we're trying to do is we don't know who needs to know what. We just create an environment where, to your earlier point, if you can see role models, if you can see something is achievable, then you have the hope to think, well, I will do that because I care about it and passionate about it. And, and in Rainbow Boosters, that's all we're trying to do is go give them that ability to go, if I want to be a female astronaut, can I do that or or not? And um one of the case for change stories is this, uh, which is a documentary series that I did uh, going around the world a few years back to talk about how connectivity is changing lives. There was a girl that we interviewed in Tanzania and she wanted to be a female doctor. That was her thing. And we were like, this is really against the grain because everyone else in your village knows that if you're a girl at 11 to 13, you'll be married off. That's just the way that it happens here. Um, why, why do you think you can? And she goes, because I've seen on this tablet at school that women doctors help these diseases. And these diseases are what all of my family and friends are dying of. So I want to do something to help them. But because I've seen it, I can. And it's that's that's what's so important. And, um, you know, we are putting in loads of tech and hardware and education. But for me, the, the most valuable piece of this puzzle is that moment that someone has access and sees something that they don't know that they could do and go oh my god I want to do that and just steers their life and that's why we say like a small boost can transform it because that's it once you have that in your in your heart and in your soul 
what you then do behind that changes everything. And it kind of, but that's also why representation is so important, right? Mm. Representation matters so much because it's people like me that, or that I can, there's some element that I can relate to. It's showing me what's possible. And then using that, and this, you know, ties into, because I put something on LinkedIn today around on comparison. And like one of the things that I also use, you know, with comparison is, okay, we can so often get envious or jealous about what the person does. And yes, there's an element of focusing on what I can do because we're all different, but also we can flip it on its head and they're actually showing me what's possible. What are they doing that I'm not doing yet? What can I learn from them? And a great exercise that I love doing with, um, you know, slightly older children is making a list of all the qualities that you have, all the qualities that you think this person has. And you're actually going to see there's a lot of similarities there. And then there's going to be some that they have that you don't have yet. But actually, then can we start to, and I mean, not everything, but are there going to be things that I can work towards? Yeah. And I think that, that is, you know, just so powerful because we can, again, it's the perspective that we have about that, right? Um, That's so yeah. important. And if a lot of the um, anxiety and a lot of the, the stress that comes out of social media, for example, is people showing these amazing lives that you go, what? My life's nowhere near that. And that pressure, especially for young teenagers to try and live up to that level. But to be able to have that self-awareness to go, okay, what is it that, that I like about that that makes me feel like that to, to then work on it? That, you know, that little self-awareness piece, which is massive, but that perspective shift could really help a generation who's really struggling with all sorts of anxiety. So there's definitely uh, something in that, which I'm, I know you're, you're definitely advocating and working behind. Um, you, you probably in your capacity are exposed to lots of other organizations or people that do a lot of good around, whether it's technology or uh, giving people small leg ups. Are there any that come to mind a happy self journal. I don't know if you've come across their work. Oh my God. I need to introduce you to Francesca, um, the founder. So uh, she created this really lovely journal um, that children can do. And it's got little emojis and pictures in it and just really lovely little prompts in terms of their day. It's a great way for, for children to talk about their feelings, but if they don't want to talk about their feelings, so that, um, is a really great resource to have. So at the end of all of these conversations, I ask you to share a positive message or a quote that served you as a constant source of inspiration or motivation throughout your life. So I love the Maya Angela quote about, you know, people will forget what you said, they'll forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And I think that that is such an important quote to live by and to try to I mean we're all human we're not going to get that 100% right but I think it's what feeling is it that you want to leave behind with people um that's always been one that I've absolutely loved and uh, I'm going to give you another one everything is figure outable by Marie Folio plain and simple and that's like a go-to mantra for me on a daily basis so figure outable is definitely going to be a new word in our in our house I love that quote uh, a lot. So I'm glad that you included it in this series from a from a personal life um, point of view and from a work point of view. It's those how you make people feel is is so important. And it's something that I live by as well. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I just want to say I know how hectic your week and day has been. So thank you so much for taking the time out for me and this project. Um, it, it I just loved everything you have to say and uh, hope that we can continue to uh, work together on different things. 
Um, this Rays of Sunshine series is linked to the Rainbow Boosters project where we're supporting underprivileged children by connecting them to the internet and the community to ensure that they don't get left behind in a digital world. So you can check out more at rainbowboosters.com. All the links and comments will be below. And the next episode will be with you in a week or so. So thank you, Natalie, so much for your time. Thank you so much. Honestly, it's been such, such a pleasure. I've loved it. Thank you.